0: shoulder to shoulder with Jesus. Watch Him hang from the cross, then celebrate His resurrection. This is Reading the Bible Together, Holy Week.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Angela Smith. This series we have been going through Holy Week, and you have made it. We are at the end of Holy Week. We are at Easter Sunday, and I am so so grateful to have with me today writer, teacher, and quote retired Lutheran pastor Tom Parrish. Welcome, Tom.
2: It's good to be here with you, Angela. This, this is fun.
1: Yeah, I'm it's excited. great. Work. I'm excited for this conversation. So yesterday we were, you know, leaning into to Saturday. And I'd like to talk just a little bit about already and not yet. There's a tension that we're dwelling in.
2: Exactly. And Friday, Good Friday, and Saturday are the darkest two days in the history of the universe. Because from a human point of view, Jesus had lost. Mm -hmm. Even the disciples, they were stunned. They thought, it's all over. This isn't working out. And yet, Jesus went to that grave knowing he would rise from the dead. And the angels knew it. And God the Father knew it. And when I live in this world and I see all the pain, sorrow, and uh, things that go on in people's lives, what I want to remind them of is that this is a dark period for you right now, but there is light, mm. big light at the end of the tunnel, and his name is Jesus, and he's coming back for you.
1: Yeah, one of the thing when I think of Saturday, when I think of Jesus dying, and we were talking about this a little bit before we recorded, that the, the victory that Satan thought he had yes. over them and the way that he and his legions probably celebrated. And it reminds me a little bit of, I think it's in Sleeping Beauty, the, the witch has her minions and I think they're pigs and they're celebrating and they're dancing around in a fire and you can see their reflections or their shadows back on the wall. Whenever I think of the victory that Satan thought he had on Saturday, that's kind of what I see is that kind of celebration.
2: You're absolutely right. And this is what I deal with as a pastor in counseling and working with people. And I've worked with people from all spheres, people that were atheist, people that are coming out of witchcraft, people that are involved in the occult, as well as Christians. And most people can't see, Angela, beyond the darkness that's around them at the moment. They only see the problem. And part of my goal, and I think the part of every Christian's goal, is to help people see beyond that to the truth, because it's kind of like being locked up uh, on a desert in the middle of the day. In a house that has no windows, you think it's dark when there is nothing but light all around you. And our goal is to help people actually open the door, let mm. Jesus open that door for them and step out into light. And when they do that, it is amazing how it changes people's lives.
1: I, I mean, I can't imagine the change in emotion when those women came to the tomb and he wasn't there. To th- I mean, they they came with the spices to prepare his body, to prepare him for burial. And to find out that he wasn't there, I can't. I, I mean, it, it makes me think of like your finger. You know, when you, when something really exhilarating happens and your fingertips tingle. Yep. That and your the blood rushes from your face and you feel a little lightheaded. Like I, that had to be how they felt. That at least that's how I imagine they felt.
2: I think it was one of the most overwhelming moments in the history of the universe because here they are. The tomb is empty. You've got angels saying, he's risen.
1: Angels, first of all, talking to you. Amazing.
2: (laughs) You know, he's risen from the dead. And even Mary Magdalene thinking Jesus is the gardener uh, Mm -hmm. until he calls out her name. It's interesting because Jesus brought the women first and they took the message out. And it wasn't until they came back and told the apostles that Peter and and John and others ran to the tomb to see if it was all true. So what it tells me is the Lord is not a respecter of people, male or female. What he is a respecter of is the truth. And whoever is willing to look at the truth, and that includes your listeners, if you're willing to look at the truth in God's word and in the Lord Jesus, you can be free and you can have the same exhilarating experience and the goose bumps on your fingers and in mm-hmm. your arms like they did at the tomb.
1: You know, one of the things that we talked about in our study this week is in Isaiah about the Lord being the Lord of the nations. And and the the thing that made the difference wasn't, the nationality of the person or the nation from where they came it was whether or not they were willing to follow him whether or not they were able or, or willing to be obedient to him exactly
2: and that's the the same issue today you know we all come from different backgrounds we come from different uh, heritages and races we grew up with uh, pain and some a lot of pain but i have found that it doesn't matter what you come from if you will finally really get serious with jesus and stand before him and cry out His healing power is incredible. And I've seen people set free from all kinds of darkness, from all kinds of abuse, from all kinds of pain. I'll tell you a quick story. I had a woman come to me many years ago. She said, Pastor, I have a cousin who's dying, and he molested me as a child. He was about 10 years older. He's never repented of it. He's never taken responsibility. It has ruined my life. So we prayed together over a period of time, and then she said, I just heard he's in the hospital and he's going to die. I don't know why I feel like I should go see him. I said, great. What are you going to do? She goes, I don't have a clue. And I said, you need to go and share what Jesus has done for you. Because she was receiving healing. She went to the hospital. Bless her heart. She actually confronted him. And he admitted what he had done. Mm -hmm. But she led him to Jesus on his deathbed. Mm -hmm. The man who had molested her, she led him to faith, and he died literally in her arms. And from that moment on, she was a free woman, like I've never seen before. That's the power of the of Easter. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, talk a little bit about the spiritual component of that too. I mean, we touched a little bit on the way that Satan and his legion may, legions may have celebrated on Saturday, but talk a little bit about the the spiritual power, the spiritual difference that Jesus. Jesus' resurrection makes.
2: It makes this difference, that where there was no hope before Jesus rose from the dead for people, they didn't know if they're going to heaven or not. I work with a lot of other other religions. Actually, they have no hope. They don't know if their sins are forgiven. They don't know if they have eternal life. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. You know, they're, they're they're just hoping it all works out well. What I can bring to them, what you can bring to them, what your listeners can bring is the truth of Jesus. And he says, you can know for sure. You know, the moment you believe you pass from death to life, that's the spiritual component. It takes us out of this world's grief and the tragedy of this world and says, wait a minute, there's a lot more to this world. One of the privileges I've had, I've been with about 55 people at the moment they die. I've literally held their hands, looked into their eyes, talked to them. And I can tell you that for the believers, even if they're in a coma, that last few minutes, there's a moment of peace that comes over that room. There's a sense of joy. I've had people in comas literally smile. Mm. I've had people come out of comas with their eyes sparkling and say to me, Pastor, Jesus is here. And I'm, well, what's he saying to you? Soon, very soon. Or he's taking me by the hand. With the unbelievers, I try to share the gospel with them because they're terrified. And I've seen people even on their deathbed come to faith in Jesus and die well. The spiritual part is what resurrects us from the dead because we're already dead until We run into Jesus, who has permanently risen from the dead and gives that to us by faith.
1: What has been, as a pastor, because you've been a pastor for many years, what has, I'm sure you've given many Easter sermons, what has been your favorite kind of thing to focus on with Easter?
2: Easter didn't happen by accident. It wasn't an afterthought. During all the sin that went on in the world after Adam and Eve, no angel ever ran into the throne room of God and said, guess what? He knew exactly what was going on. He knew exactly what to do. And the Bible says from the foundations of the universe, he had already planned for our redemption. And that's exactly what Easter is about. And so what I try to reassure people is, look, it doesn't matter where you've been. Doesn't matter what you've done. Doesn't matter how you've been hurt. The question you have today is, do you want to be healed? Do you want a new life? Do you want a purpose? And you can have that in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's not somebody that died 2,000 years ago and rose and now is in heaven and gone. He's here. He says, I'm right here with you. And the moment you cry out to him, he will touch you and change your life. And I'm a Lutheran pastor, but I have called a lot of people literally to altar calls and call people to faith because I know there needs to be a response. People need to respond in some way. And I've always been astounded at the many, many people that come forward to receive Jesus, to repent of their sin, to renew their life to him. It is Easter's fun for me. It's a great experience.
1: Yeah, and so in 1993, I actually grew up in the Lutheran Church, and I, and I and I didn't I didn't quite get it. I had the under the way that I had understood it is that he came, he died, he rose again, and he left, like right. you said. I didn't understand the I N G, the ongoing, the living. And I was with my sister who was in the Air Force. We were at an on an Air Force base, and the chaplain said that Jesus is alive. He's living, and everything. Wow. Fell into place for me, and I yeah. and I and I understood, and I got it. I got that that he's not far away, that he's here, and that we can have a personal relationship with him. Yep. And then it was a few weeks later that I understood that. Then I need to die to myself and live for him. Which then it took me a while to realize that's a daily thing I need to do. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't just a one and done. Easter is always really special for me because of that. Because of that, vein ongoing that he rose and is living still.
2: And it's a wonderful uh, celebration every year in the spring that reminds us that new life is real and that life is in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for anybody who's listening, no matter what you've gone through, if you will simply cry out to Jesus, he will touch you and he will change your life. And it's an exciting thing to see. So I'm very thankful I've had this role for a long time and get to do this.
1: hmm Is there anything else about Easter that you want to make sure that we talk about?
2: Well, the same Jesus who rose from the dead is coming again. Mm. And, you know, I had somebody say the other day, you know, I really hope I live until the rapture. And I said, well, I hope you do, too. But even if you don't, you're still going to be with Jesus when he comes again. You're going to be with all the angels, so rejoice, because whether it is 10 years from now or 1,000 years from now, doesn't matter for you and I. It's only for long as we're here, and when we die, we immediately go into the presence of Jesus and be with him forever. And that's the most exciting thing I can tell people, that death doesn't end our life. We simply pass from this life to the life to come.
1: Yeah, that makes me think of two things. It makes me think of people who don't yet know him and that they can know him. And if you want to know Jesus, if you want to find out more about who Jesus is, you can text the word faith to 41224 and you're, you'll get some great resources that will tell you a little bit more about who Jesus is. We'll walk you through that process. And then the other thing is, is that we've been having conversations around here at Faith Radio about thinking about Jesus coming back and I having that feeling of who, who is there a person that comes to mind that you think, if he came back right now, I don't know where they are.
2: I've got several people like that, and I pray for them every day. There's, there's a couple I've been praying for, honestly, for 45 years. I went to school with them. I love them dearly. They don't believe in anything, and they've had a lot of tragedy. And so, yeah, I pray for them all the time. And my wife said to me, when are you going to stop praying? And I said, when I quit breathing. Mm. Because yeah. Jesus can work miracles even at the last moment.
1: Mm-hmm. And prayer is so important.
2: It's powerful. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you so much, Tom. Thank you for taking time and talking about the greatest day in history.
2: Nothing better, and I'm glad to be here. God bless you, Angela.
1: And now I'm going to have a short conversation with Christina Winger. She is audience engagement for our sister station, KTIS. And as you may have heard me talk about on the podcast before, here at Northwestern Media, which Faith Radio is a part of, every Monday morning we get together and do devotionals. And this last Monday... Christina did our devotional, and it was on something that I had never thought of, so I invited her to come and to share it on today, this Easter Sunday. Welcome, Christina. Hello. Thank you for having me. So I loved what you shared in your devotional. Would you share it again? Yeah.
3: So... Honestly, in the past, I've shied away from reading through a lot of parts of the Old Testament because they're overwhelming. They (laughs) are overwhelming. It's a lot to take in. And sometimes there's a lot of details or Levitical law and things that we look at and think, oh, they were relevant for the Israelites back in the day and with context, but not maybe as much for us today. However, I have recently come to realize that the Old Testament is very, very relevant for today. So I was reading through the Old Testament, having a little bit of difficulty. So I reached out to a commentary and then I also ended up finding sh- some supplementary teaching online as well. About yeah. That. And commentaries can be that can feel overwhelming to crack oh, the spine of a commentary. For sure. Yes. Mm-hmm. I had to take I thought I could, you know, push through a couple chapters or maybe even a book, you know, in a couple weeks or it took me a lot longer than I thought. Mm hmm. But I learned a lot of cool things, and one thing, like what I shared in my Devo, are just things that I might have just read in the past, maybe a couple times, and never even thought of these things that I found through the commentary.
1: So will you share a little bit about what it was that
3: you discovered? Yes, of course. It was very exciting. So I was reading through exodus and i got to chapter 25 where they talk about the ark of the covenant and so the ark of the covenant there's a lot of detailed instruction that the lord gives the people of israel on constructing this this ark so the way that he has it look is there are two cherubim angels on either side there's one at the head and one at the foot and then in that space in between is called the Mercy And they would, when they'd sacrifice a bull, they would sprinkle some of that blood on the mercy seat and it would signify that, that God was covering their sins temporarily through the blood of this sacrificed bull. Now, what especially interested me that I learned through my commentary in this is the link that it has to the New Testament and the relevance to Jesus. So in John chapter 20, when Mary goes to the tomb, she looks in and Jesus isn't there. However, she sees two angels and there's one angel sitting at the head and one at the foot of where Jesus would have laid. Do you see the correlation yeah. Yes, Yes, yes. Yeah. So and I'd awesome. never thought
1: about it. So when you started talking about it, I thought, I, I mean, I knew what the Ark of the Covenant looks like. And yes. if you, those of you listening, and if you don't know exactly what it looks like, if you Google Ark of the Covenant, you can see a picture of the angels with their wings kind of pointed toward each other, kind of covering the mercy seat in between. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. So when Mary then looked in and she saw the two angels sitting in the empty tomb, the space in between them is where Jesus' body would have lain bloody and broken, and that is signifying that his blood is like the sacrificial bull's blood, except it's permanent, and it's covering our sins once and for all. When you first realized that correlation, I mean, what what were your thoughts? I just was amazed at how intentional God is in everything that he does. You know, looking back at all the detail for that Ark of the Covenant back in ancient Israel— It wasn't just for aesthetic or for the look of it. God had a very specific purpose for every single part of that. And it's so cool to see how every single piece of that was fulfilled in Jesus later on. Oh,
1: that is so good. So, so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for sharing this with us, Christina. Of course.
0: Early in the morning on the first day of the week, while it was still dark... Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone was moved away from the entrance. She ran at once to Simon Peter, the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, gasping out of breath. They took the master from the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. Peter and the other disciples left immediately for the tomb. They ran, neck and neck. The other disciple got to the tomb first, outrunning Peter. Stooping to look in, he saw the piece of linen cloth lying there, but he didn't go in. Simon Peter arrived after him. Entered the tomb and observed the linen cloth lying there and the kerchief used to cover the head, not lying with the linen clothes, but separate, neatly folded by itself. Then the other disciple who'd gotten there first went into the tomb, took one look at the evidence, and believed. No one yet knew from the scriptures that he had risen from the dead. The disciples then went back home. But Mary stood outside the tomb weeping, and as she wept, she knelt, looking into the tomb, and saw two angels sitting there, dressed in white, one at the head and the other at the foot where Jesus' body had been laid. They said to her, "'Woman, why do you weep?' "'They took my master,' she said, and I don't know where they put him." After she said this, she turned away and saw Jesus standing there, but she didn't recognize him. Jesus spoke to her, "'Woman, why do you weep? Who are you looking for?' She, thinking that he was a gardener, said, "'Sir, if you took him, tell me where you put him so I can take care of him.'" Jesus said, "'Mary.'" Turning to face him, she said in Hebrew, "'Rabboni,' meaning teacher."
1: Well, thank you for joining us for Reading the Bible Together podcast, looking at at Holy Week and celebrating the resurrection of Jesus this Easter Sunday. I hope you are having a very, very good celebration. Make sure that you subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any bonus episodes that might drop. And we'll see you next time.
0: The Reading the Bible Together podcast is a production of Faith Radio and Northwestern Media. Hosted, produced, and edited by Angela Smith. If you've enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, consider financially supporting Faith Radio. Find more information at myfaithradio.com.